Morning, church. How are we all this morning? I hope we're up. Oh, dear, that doesn't sound very good, does it? Let me just get me, uh, me stand. Wow, what a blessed morning. I was, uh, I'm not ashamed to say I was in tears listening to Mary's testimony. Um, because... Because it reminded me of Jesus. It reminded me of the sacrifice of Jesus. And, uh, and we as Christians, for those who are Christians in this place, will know that we have to sacrifice. Sacrifice is not easy. It can be difficult sometimes to sacrifice. And yet here was a, a woman, a godly lady, prepared to let her children go. Wow. Wow. Uh, I've let my child go. My eldest daughter lives in Devon. Um, and uh, I grieved for six months, 12 months after she went. Uh, and so what an honour and privilege to be able to honour Mary this morning. And there are others like it in this house. If you listen to their stories and their testimonies, you'll be amazed at the goodness and greatness of God. And so, it's good to be here and, and to honour. And actually, I just want to, why I've got it on my mind, I just want to honour my, my wife. She sat here on the front this morning. And um, I've already given her a, a present. I bought her, me and my daughter bought her, a Fitbit. A Fitbit. And if you don't know what a Fitbit is, it's one of these things that goes on your wrist. Uh, it's like a clock, but it tells you your heart rate and it tells you um, how well you slept at night, whether it's been light sleep or heavy sleep and it measures your heart rate and, and how many paces you do during the day and all that kind of stuff. And Lorraine, I think she, uh, she was very grateful for it, wasn't you? Um, and so we got that, but I'd forgotten that I got something else as well. I mean, it's great this week, isn't it? It was International Women's Day on Tuesday, was it Wednesday? So it was, uh, it was and I got Lorraine some flowers. I'm just trying to get in the good books at the moment, you know? So Tuesday I came home with these flowers and I, you know, everybody at work was, was saying, who are they for? You know, so it's for the wife, it's International Woman's Day and, and I gave her these flowers, I think she was a bit shocked. Um, and anyway, I've forgotten that last week, I think it was, Catherine said, would you like to buy some flowers for Lorraine for, for Mother's Day? So I did and I forgot till this morning to say, she said, the flowers are next door, do you want them? So anyway, there you go, love. Here's some more some more flowers. So come and get these, these flowers. And uh, happy Mother's Day, Day, darling. Thank you. There you go. That's the last you're getting spent this year. <laughs> so. Hey, church, warm welcome to anybody who's new here this morning. If you've not been with us before, uh, relax and uh, sit back and uh, enjoy yourself and feel the presence of God because that's what we're, we're here for. If you've not been here for a while and you're, you're back again, maybe you're here for your yearly visit because it's Mother's Day and you've come to please your mum. Well, that, that's great as well. You're welcome as well. We really are pleased that you're here with us. And I just want to, just before I carry on, uh, talk about a little bit about mums. That's not my word this morning. Actually, my word this morning, uh, I've been battling with God all week about. Uh, probably all week I've been rising, and I've been, I've saying to Barry this morning, I've been rising, and this word's been on my heart for a few weeks, and I've been rising this morning, and I've been saying to the Lord, I don't want to give that word. I don't want to give that word. 
I want to give an easy word. It's Mother's Day. We want a nice fluffy word, something that will please the ladies, you know. And, and, um, and, and, and it's easy. And it's, you know, it's, it, it, I can get my head around. And, and every day that I was waiting for God to give me something else to replace what I was going to bring. And every morning I was getting up and there was nothing coming. Until this morning I woke, I rose at five o'clock this morning uh, and was praying and, and reading scripture and God gave me uh, a word for the ladies. And I thought, fantastic, I don't have to bring the other word. Until he said, and then speak to the men, the women and the children, the word that I gave you. <laughs> and so I'm going to bring a little word for the ladies and then I'm going to go on to what the main thrust of, of what I want to talk about. We've celebrated uh, mums this morning, but I'm also mindful, of course, that there are people in the house this morning who've lost their mums, whose mums are no longer here, sadly. I'm also uh, mindful of people who might say that actually I have got a mum, but she was a bad mum. She wasn't the mum that I needed when I was growing up. In fact, she didn't even care for me. She didn't even love me. So I'm mindful of those mums as well. And I'm mindful of those who have lost their mums. And last night I was listening to uh, Brian Houston on Hillsong. And he spoke about the power of lost. Now get this, the power of lost. We've all lost something in our lives. It might be that we've lost parents. It might be that we've lost, maybe we've even lost a child tragically. It might be that we've lost a job. It could be that we've lost a girlfriend or a boyfriend. It could be that we've lost our confidence. Our confidence has been rocked and shaken. It could be that we've lost part of our body. It could be that we're, at this moment in time, we're in illness. We've got something wrong with us and we've lost something. The ability to be able to function properly bodily. It could be, as I've just mentioned, that we've lost our children. So I lost my children about three years ago. And as I said, me and my wife, we grieve for our Rachel. Because when you've had a child in the home for 20 odd years and all of a sudden they've gone, that's hard. That's, that's really hard. And then to follow that, my other daughter, my youngest one, Emma, she loves to travel. And then on Friday, she came and said, I've got some news for you, Dad. I'm off to Australia for a while. Yay! So that's another one going. <laughs> now, fortunately, some of, well, fortunately, I'm able to, to let go of my children now because I know they're in God's keeping and God's care. There may be some of you that say, well, I've got kids and I was quite glad to kick them out, actually. <laughs> but some, some points in our lives, we become lost. We lose something which is dear to us in our lives. And here's the, here's the word for the ladies of the church. In Lamentations, Lamentations, you've not heard that one regularly, have you? Lamentations. Lamentations is all about dread. It's all about the temple. It's all about the temple being smashed to smithereens and it's all about negativity. And it really is one of them kind of books you go, oh my Lord, 
dear, oh dear, the movie's not much good going on here, is there? But right in the middle of the book of Lamentations, concerning the, the, the thought of losing something or, 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 or the power of lost, it says this in Lamentations chapter 3, 21. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. Whatever you've lost, whatever you're losing, don't let it consume you. Don't let it rule your life. Don't go to bed at night time thinking about it. Don't get up in the morning thinking about it. Don't give the enemy space and time to rule yourself because the scripture says don't get consumed because he's a faithful God and he knows what you're going through. And so you don't have to become consumed with loss. The world will become consumed with loss because it doesn't know how to react. It doesn't know how to deal with loss. And in our natural selves, we don't. But in the Spirit of God, he gives you the ability in the power of the risen Lord to be able to deal with loss, to be able to not be consumed by it, and to be able to stand up, march forward, lift your head up, and carry on. You see, Jesus, Jesus, you see, he suffered grief in in, in, in the scripture, it tells us one of the most powerful verses in scripture. It says this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Jesus became um, emotional. Jesus became sad because his friend Lazarus had died. But what did he do? He didn't sit about thinking, that's the end of my ministry. I'm not going to continue doing what the Father has for me. No, he didn't do that. He didn't stop. He carried on. He had the moments of grief. He had the moments to himself. He got up and he said, I'm carrying on to my destination. That's what he did. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you've suffered loss and every single heart in this house at some point will have suffered lost, don't let it consume you. Don't allow it to to grab you and to keep you down. That's not God's heart for you. God's heart for you is to rise. God's heart for you is to rise above it and to move on and not stop and not allow these things to rule your life. The enemy wants to do that. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? Is that okay? Are we understanding where we're going with that? That's fantastic. And so, I want to with the, with the word that I've got. And I'm going to be bold, I'm going to be brave. I'm going to put a disclaimer there. God told me to say it, okay? So, so, so if I end up running out at the end, don't come chasing after me. <laughs> when I see that cross, I see freedom. When I see that grave, I see Jesus. From death to life, I will sing your praises. How wonderful. How glorious, my Saviour's scars, victorious. My chains are gone, my debt is paid. From death to life and grace to grace. 
You know, last week, Pastor Vicky spoke a word which was, if you've not listened to it, by the way, I really encourage you to get on, onto the podcast and listen to it. It was spot on. And basically, what she, she said was that, that uh, sometimes, you know, we can find ourselves saying, where's God in our lives? Where's he gone? He seems to have disappeared. He seems to have left me. And what Pastor Vicky said last week was, actually, no, no, God is not moved anywhere. Jesus, of course, was at the temple. That's where he stayed. That's what she was saying. He was at the temple. Jesus stayed at the temple. And Pastor Vicky said, Jesus is is in the holy. He's in the holy. And he's not moved anywhere. And it's possible that it's us that's moved. It's possible that it's us that has moved. And I thought I would just continue to carry on along that kind of theme this morning. And I'm going to talk about a few things that we, we, we don't often hear about, I suppose. Um, and, and maybe it's just for a time of the season that I speak about these things um, on Mother's Day. And I, I know that for 99% of the people in this building, uh, it'll be like preaching to the converted. You'll have heard this before. But actually, I'm quite happy if it's just a one. If it's just the one that gets that gets it this morning, because it's truth, and I can speak and I can preach on this on the basis of the Word of God and His truth, and so I want to read to you this morning from one very famous passage of Scripture. I think we might have it on the screen coming up, John three sixteen, and have I got my glasses on my head? Because that's where you usually find them, or in my pocket. Could be somewhere. I've left them down there. I'm always losing my glasses. Terrible. <laughs> what was that, Bill? I mean, hey, my sight might be going, but my hearing's not, Bill. I don't know where I put them. They're probably on my head somewhere and I can't see them. Anyway. <laughs> you're going to tell me they are now, aren't you? Hey? I had them a few minutes ago, but I'm always late. John, I can't see this. John 3, 16. Um, sorry, folks. Very unprofessional. John 3, 16, uh, down to 21, please, buddy. I'll read it if you get it on there. Uh, the it's a good job I've only got one verse of scripture, isn't it? Let me see if I can make the text a bit bigger. I bet they're in my case. Wait there, hang on, hang on, hang on. There they are, in my case. I can see. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light 
and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. When I became a Christian, you're talking 30 odd years ago now, um, I became a Christian primarily for two reasons. Two reasons. The first one was that I was scared of death. I was scared of death. Not only was I scared of death, I was scared of hell. Death and hell. They feared me something rotten. And most of you will know that I grew up in the church next door, in the chapel next door. And um, I listened week in, week out to various ministers coming and preaching. And a lot of the time they spoke on the subject of heaven and hell. And I got to the age of uh, 12, something like that. And I got to the point where I was so fearful of death. And I started in my young age to start seeing death around me. But I was so fearful of death and hell and the consequences that I came to Christ. Because I reasoned that actually, if I look at the, the positives that outweigh the negatives there's got to be more to life than this there's got to be more to life than when I die then I'm going to go to hell now most people you would probably admit at some point in their lives they think about their humanity they think about their life they think about what happens when we die and we leave this earth and, and they think about where they're at and is there life after death and do I go to heaven, do I go to hell, etc. Most people think about these kind of things. And the second thing that brought me to, uh, to Christ and to salvation ultimately was I knew I was a sinner. I knew deep down in my heart and my soul that I was a sinner. And so the two things brought together made me come to a decision that I needed Christ, that I needed a saviour, that I was a wreck, that I was living my own life. And it didn't work. It was lovely for a season. You know, my dad once taught me, and we mentioned this at Life Group on Wednesday, sin... For a season, it's very attractive. It's very, very attractive. But sin is temporarily attractive. Yeah. You soon get fed up with it and you move on to something else. But you know, to those who accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour, the Scriptures say that perfect love his perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're here this morning and you're fearful of death and you're fearful of what's going to happen when you leave this earth, and don't forget everybody, we often say it, we are not promised a tomorrow. We ain't promised a tomorrow. Your, your time could come today, it could come tomorrow, it could come 10 years, 20 years, who knows? But don't be playing fool with God. If you think you've got another 15, 20 years, because you may not have, to get yourself right with God. 
So it says, for those that know Christ and are born again and are filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture says this, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what the scripture is telling us is that the sting of death through the cross of Jesus Christ and his blood has been taken away. You don't have to live with the sting of death anymore. You don't have to be frightened by death anymore. Because when you die, actually it's just in Christ's economy and in his kingdom and in his world. It's the start of something new. It's the start of something special and you are promised an eternity forever. Hey, that sounds good to me. Not about you. But what does Jesus teach about this awful place that we know is called hell? What does he teach? What does he say about it? Well, he says, as the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out his kingdom. Everything that causes sin and all who do evil, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you fancy a fiery furnace? It will sound good to me. Do you, do, do, do you fancy darkness, everlasting darkness? It doesn't sound very clever to me. Do you fancy weeping and gnashing of teeth? In Revelation, it says there'll be no more tears. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more death. We'll have an everlasting life with our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want to perish? He says, for God so loved the world. And so it tells us before he gets to the bad bit, that he loves the world. He loves every single person in the world. And he showed his love by giving his son on the cross for you and for me. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish. Are you perishing this morning? Am I perishing this morning? Are you in a place where if at this moment in time God took your life, you would perish with no hope of an eternity with Jesus Christ? Perishing means gone. Is no more. Not going to be around. And yet you just carry on a few words later on and he speaks, shall not perish but have everlasting life. That sounds, that sounds good to me, folks. Everlasting life. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life in Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, if anyone's name was not found written, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. You might recall the account of, of Lazarus. We spoke about Lazarus and the rich man. Um, I think it's in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, we spoke about it in our life group on Wednesday. And it tells the account of Lazarus who's, who's in heaven. 
I'm the rich man who's in hell. And he tells the account of how Lazarus is there in heaven having a great time. And the rich man who, who was rich and got greedy and got proud, never paid his wages to the workers, never gave anything to anybody, and yet Lazarus was begging, he had sores on his feet. And then when the time came for Jesus to, to gather everybody, we had Lazarus in heaven and the rich man in hell, and the rich man saying to Lazarus, hey, Lazarus, I wish I hadn't done this, but it's too late for me now. But I tell you what, why don't you go and tell my five brothers and say, you don't want to come here. This is terrible, this place I'm in. You don't want to come here. Go and tell me five brothers to repent and to get into heaven. And Lazarus's reaction was, was this. I'm sorry, my friend. I'm so sorry. You're too late. The chasm's already been built. I can't cross to you and you can't cross to me. He was in eternal torment. He was in fire, the rich man, because he'd had all his pleasures in the short time that he had on this earth. You know, When I was, before I came to Christ, I was a, a, I don't know if you can categorize sin in that sense, but I was, I was awful. I was arrogant. I was rude. I was boastful. I stole. I stole. I was full of lust. Lust. I was just not a nice man at all. Paul said, Christ came into the world to save sinners, of which I am the worst. Yes. Paul said, he was the worst. But I want to give you some hope this morning. I'm just going to use my iPad because I don't want to turn to it. But I want to speak to you very briefly about a man called Manasseh. Manasseh. You'll find the account of Manasseh in the book of two chronicles. Billy Graham, he, he likened this man to the Stalin, Stalin and Hitlers of his day. This is how bad this man was. This was a wicked, wicked man. And he had a father called Hezekiah who was a righteous man. And he did everything that pleased the Lord. And he was the king of Judah. And he followed the Lord's decrees. And he worshipped the Lord. And he followed all the sacrifices and everything else that was required of the Israelites. And the nation, as a rule of thumb, followed him. And Hezekiah, you might well remember, was the guy that was a bit cheeky and asked the Lord for 15 more years' life. And he got it. And his son Manasseh, he was completely the opposite. He was the king of Judah. He became king of Judah at 12 years of age. But he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He rebuilt the high places 
his father had demolished. He bowed down to the starry host. He sacrificed, get this, he sacrificed his sons in fire. Sacrificed his sons in fire. Can you imagine? He practiced sorcery. He practiced divination. He practiced witchcraft. He consulted mediums and spiritualists. And basically, in a very short space of time, he managed to lead the people of Judah and Jerusalem away from God. He did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. And here's this, get this, the Lord gave him chance after chance to stop. And I'm still getting my head around this when I, when, I, when, I, when I read this. It says, the Lord spoke to Manasseh. Even after all the wickedness, the depravity, the Lord spoke to Manasseh. What a gracious God we've got. But this is what he says. But he paid no attention to him. Yeah. I, can't, I can't get my head around it. If God were to come and speak to you this morning, would you pay no attention to him? And so because he wouldn't pay any attention to God, he took him into, into exile. Now there's good news. This wicked, horrible man, in his distress, in his distress, are you in distress today? Have you got distress in your soul, in your heart? In his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord. And believe it or not, he humbled himself greatly. And the Lord heard his prayer. And the Lord forgave him. And he did an about turn. And he ripped down all the idols, the adulterous stuff that was in the temples. And he started to do right in the sight of the Lord. unfortunately for him the consequences were still dire because the rest of Israel didn't he led a whole country astray and praise God this man was saved but the consequences of his actions were that the rest carried on the rest carried on in their old ways You know, I said this last time that I was speaking that the devil is active. He's very active in this world that we live in. I was praying this week, earlier on this week, and I tend to rise early to, to pray. And the pictures in my mind, as we were hearing from Mary earlier on, were these pictures of these children in Syria, with their houses destroyed, 
with what appeared to be no hope. Struggling to even feed themselves. Tears running down their eyes. How can children that young understand when you have people and powerful and evil men destroying the country that they're living in? And you may say to me, Tony, but why would God allow that to happen? And the answer is simply, it's men. It's men. It's not God. It's men. Because men have become the I word. Men have become the me word. It's all about me. It's all about my power. It's all about what I can do to become rich and famous. And so we find in the world today that the enemy has sent us spirits of drugs, alcohol, sexual immorality, greed, slander, hatred, jealousy, rage, anger, selfishness, envy, the list goes on. But you know, the good news is, is that we can be free from all that. Because the cross brings freedom. The blood of Christ brings freedom. And we can be free from all that. So how do we know that we're heaven bound? How do you know that you're going to heaven this morning? How do I know I'm going to heaven this morning? Is it because somebody else told you? Is it because you feel it? Hey, I feel good. I'm great, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm mighty fine, I'm going to heaven, boy. That's me. Is it because you've come to church this morning? Yeah, been to church this morning. That's me, qualified, tick box, going to heaven. But I pray every day. Yeah, that's me, tick box, going to heaven. It's not for me to judge, that's not my job. But what my job is, is to point you to Jesus Christ and to point you to a place where you're no longer in death, but you've passed to life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 22, Paul the Apostle writing to the Corinthian church says this, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So if you want to know if you're going to heaven this morning, there's your answer. He sets his seal of ownership on you. That means it's no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth in me. That means that rather than you owning yourself, he owns you because he first loved you. And he's put his spirit into your hearts. Have you got his spirit in your hearts as a deposit 
We've all probably paid deposits of some kind during our lives, maybe for a car or for a house or whatever the case may be, we put a deposit down. But this is the best deposit you'll ever get. Because it guarantees, nothing in this world is guaranteed. But this guarantees what is to come. This guarantees your eternity. This guarantees that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that your name is on his forehead. And you're there. If you don't know this spirit that Barry spoke about last week, that being born again, if you don't know that, if you don't feel it in your heart, well, you better get yourself sorted out because that's the only way. And I'd better get myself sorted out as well. But I want to point you this morning, church, to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because I can give you the consequences of a decision which you don't make. But I can also give you the glorious news that by following Jesus Christ and giving your life to him, that you can leave all that behind. And you can receive all the benefits of the kingdom, of which there are so many. God doesn't want any one of you in this church to perish. No, I say so. He says so. It's in his word. And so today, I can tell you the good news that Jesus' blood and his death and resurrection is enough. It covers your sin and my sin. It covers your filthy rags and my filthy rags. It covers our slipping back into our old ways. It's a good job, isn't it, that Jesus Christ gives us chance after chance after chance. Because if he didn't, where would we be? Oh, my Lord, where would I be? And so in the house today, there's grace enough and sufficient for forgiveness. There's grace enough in the house today to say, Lord, I want to go to heaven. I don't fancy that hell bit. Lord, I'm not looking forward to death. In fact, I'm very fearful of death. And if you would just give your lives to Christ this day, from this day onwards, you will have to fear death. In fact, you will look forward to going to heaven. I often say, but I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. Can you wait? Do you need to give your lives to Christ today? Do you need to confess your sins and let him know that you, know, you no longer want to continue down that route of self and sin, but you want to sacrifice all to the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world?
We used to sing a song, and some of you will know it. Most of you will know it, I suppose. It's not that one, no. Um, it's an old song, but I was listening to it early hours of this morning on Hillsong. Uh, you might be surprised that Hillsong played this, but it came in the middle of a song, and it, it says this. What can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus the reason that I get quite emotional is because I hate it when the devil has a grip on people's lives but I want to proclaim to you a saviour today if you're willing to let go of his grip and be consumed by the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified your place in heaven is there it's guaranteed there's no better guarantee in all the world so today choose life cross from death yes we are all going to die of course we are but you can choose today to cross from death to life you can choose today everlasting life eternal life and I urge and plead with you today to save yourselves before it's too late Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, is what Peter said. And if you don't know that you're going to heaven, well, you can today. Because today's the day of salvation. Don't delay in making that decision. I remember, where's Vicky? Where's Vicky Thompson gone? There she is. Vicky Thompson, a number of years ago, her father was, was dying. Sorry, Vicky, I hope you don't mind me saying this, it's just coming to me. Her father was dying, and she asked me and another guy, who some of you will know, called Paul Goodship, to go and pray with him. He wasn't a believer, hadn't led a Christian life. And I think, if I remember rightly, Vicky, that he was suffering for a while and he, he, he wouldn't pass away. So we went to see him and we went to pray with him. And I said, Michael, that's his name, wasn't it? Michael, I still remember his name. He was one of the most blessed times of my life. Michael. And Michael's lay there. He's got the oxygen mask on and he's lay there. And I, I said, Michael. Vicky said, he's ashamed of the things that he's done. I said, Michael, if I was to tell you the things that I've done, 
If I was to tell you the sinner that I was, I think I'd be beating you. And somehow, in the liberty of my own heart, I was able to pray with Michael. And I believe that he received salvation that night. And I was able to pray. And I said, in my prayer, I said, Michael, I dismiss you from this earth. Your time has come. I dismiss you. Go. Go. I've been with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this man, who Vicky was really upset about the fact that he was taking so long to go, the following morning, he passed away. Michael had a chance. God gives every single one of you this morning here a chance, an opportunity, a declaration from your mouth. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Don't leave it, folks. Please don't leave, I urge you. I don't want to be in heaven and looking at that chasm. I don't want to be in heaven 